So why are we so often like Peter in the upper room? Just prior to our first reading, Peter's healed someone who couldn't walk. He's got everyone's attention when he does that. He got their attention because it's a work of power, a work of power straight out of the Old Testament. The crowd sees their scriptures coming to life, and then he begins to speak, and it's like they're listening to one of their prophets. But it's not his power, he says. It's not his preaching. He's telling the people there that the power they see, the preaching they hear, comes from Christ. Peter's working these wonders and preaching this good news in Jesus' name. And let's not hear this name Jesus, by the way, like we so often hear it, because the name Jesus doesn't mean to them what it means to us. Back then they thought that Jesus was just some hillbilly prophet who got on the wrong side of the religious leaders. They didn't like him, and so they killed him. That's what they know. But now they're seeing and hearing Peter say and do all these things, and he's saying this is happening because of Jesus. That crazy man who's the son of God, and even though he was killed, he's alive again. This is powerful stuff that Peter's saying and doing. And he's saying and doing it because, as we hear in our gospel, he's seen him. He's heard him. Peter can only speak in the Acts of the Apostles because he accepts what he's seen and heard in our gospel. Because he accepts when Jesus says this entire history, all the way from Noah, Abraham to today, Jesus says, has led up to me. He accepts that Jesus has come to change the whole world and that he's going to use the apostles to do it. It sounds crazy, but Jesus rising from the dead sounded crazy. And this rising this showing them his flesh and bone. It's right there in the gospel. He gives them his hands to look at the nail marks. In spite of the craziness, it causes Peter to trust. That trust helps open him to the Spirit, and it's that trust in the Spirit that brings him to the square. So where does that leave us. You know, I think our hint is that our Lord is the same Lord who appeared to them in that upper room, the risen Lord, and that the gap between us and Peter in our first reading, it's not such a huge gap as we might think. Because look at it this way, that the crowds in Acts, when they see Peter they know they're in the presence of someone who's encountered God, who's felt God come into his life, and they know there's something different about this man. And this sentiment, I think, is not so foreign to us. 
here at St. Anthony of Padua. I think I can say look at Solanus Casey, the Franciscan. Google him if you don't know him when you get home. Solanus Casey, who just a few years ago filled a football stadium full of people in Detroit. 70,000 people came to his beatification, all for a priest who couldn't preach, who couldn't hear confessions, but so many people came to that beatification because the people who met him knew that Christ was working in his life. Mother Teresa, the same way. John Paul II, the same way people knew it. Padre Pio, he's another name, another Franciscan. And not just religious either, not just priests. Blessed Carlo Acutis, Google him if you don't know him, born in 1991, eight months before me, wore aviators, tennis shoes, played Xbox, died of cancer 15 years ago, 2006, 15 years old, and people knew, could feel when they came into contact with him, that Jesus was working in his life in a special way, that he had met him. Even if it's at a lower pitch from some of these names that I've mentioned, I'm sure there are people we could name, who we've met, all of us, who we'd say Jesus is working in this person. Because this is still how it works. I'm trying to show that just like in our first reading, Jesus is not some ideal. He's not some old-time teacher. He's still an earth-shaking reality. That when any of us opens up to our Lord, lets him pour in grace, we are open to be raised to our fullest humanity and then to invite others to share in that source of our life. So where are some good things? Where are some good places to open ourselves to that grace? We hear a lot from me sometimes about the sacrament of confession, leaning on the sacrament of confession, leaning on the Eucharist, private prayer, sitting with the scriptures. This is the last time you'll hear from me as a deacon preaching. And so I want to, to, us to remember that all these things, all these things that I've mentioned, have a purpose. They have a goal to order us to something. And it's all to strengthen us for Christ's mission. They're there to have, be a privileged means to let the Spirit flow into our lives. And when we trust the Spirit and when the Spirit pours in, that's because God means to pour it out through us for the people He loves. So can we better cooperate with God this week? Can we trust Jesus, trust the Spirit a little more? open ourselves a little more, do a better job of remembering that God's always ready to send that Spirit. And can we say, God, I'm ready for you to send your Spirit, to move me toward that square? Can you show me the obstacles that I place in your way? Can you help me remove them? Dear sisters, brothers, it's time to leave the upper room. Time to trust Christ more, to trust the Spirit more. I'll see you in the square.